0: Thank you, Ryan. Well, it's good to see you made it today with this crazy weather. This is obviously like a blizzard in Florida. (laughs) I'm sure people are home right now hiding in their closet, wearing their jacket. Hopefully they can watch church on their phone. I wanted to say to you, uh, you've probably got caught in it. We've been having a traffic jam. Out there, we, We've got some ideas on how to help with that. But I, I, I wanted to say to you, look at when you come to park and you're in a long line or you can't find a spot. Look at parking as part of your worship. All right? That'll help you. That'll help you deal with it, okay? Thou shalt not kill. Don't kill anybody out there. So if you're new... We go verse by verse through the scriptures on Sundays. And we are going through the book of Romans and the gospel of John. And we're in John today. We start a new chapter, chapter nine. I've titled this Beautiful Blindness. Beautiful Blindness. Now, that sounds like an oxymoron, and it is. Blindness is anything but beautiful. And somebody who's blind, Can't see anything that's beautiful. But I call it this because Jesus is going to do something beautiful with this blindness. In John's gospel, on every page, in every story, John is telling us that Jesus Christ is God in a human body who came to save us. He tells us at the end of John, he wrote this down so we would believe. John wants you to believe in Jesus. Listen to what John writes. This is in a letter he wrote called 1 John, verse 1. He starts it out and he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, Which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That's Jesus. He's the word. We've seen that in John. He's life. John is saying, listen, we're not making this up. We heard him. We seen him. We touched him. And I I am writing these things so that you will believe in him and you will have eternal life. What John does, he tells us about some fascinating miracle that Jesus does that only God can do. And then he tells us how people respond to it. Now we've come to a new miracle in chapter 9 where he heals a blind man. So let me just give you four points this morning. First, number one, let's talk about the problem. The problem, verse one, says, as he passed by, talking about Jesus, he saw a blind man from birth. John wants us to know, he's writing through the, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he wants us to know this guy was blind from birth. There was no cure for his blindness. This is no trickery. This is no fake miracle like you see faith healers do on television. This is a bona fide miracle that only God can do. And in these days, ancient times, blindness was horrible. I mean, today they do many things for the blind to help them function. But in this day, this man would be left to be a beggar, to beg to get his next meal. And the people thought he was cursed because he was blind. So it was a horrible situation. Um, I saw firsthand what blindness can do. My brother Mark, who's now in heaven, had diabetes. And for a couple years, he lost his eyesight. He had eye surgeries. Because he was a diabetic, it didn't heal. And so he had blood. And so he couldn't see at all. And so he would have to go to dialysis before he got a kidney transplant. It was miserable for him. And yet I saw how hard it was for him to function when he could not see. Great thing about Mark, Mark always kept his sense of humor. He always had a good attitude. I remember taking him to Tampa hospital and Mark Mark would often tease me, but he would tease me in a way that, you know, wouldn't hurt me. It would make me feel good. He had a way to tease you to make you feel good. And so we were riding talking about God and sermons and all kinds of stuff and he was teasing me about something. We stopped at a gas station to get gas, and we went in to use the restroom. Mark had to, he had to hold on to my arm for him to see. Uh, to, well, he couldn't see, but for, for him to go to the restroom. So he was teasing me that day, so I made sure I put him in a janitor's closet. <laughs> and then I stepped outside, and I could hear him feeling around in there, fumbling around. And he's, all of a sudden, he's going, Frank, Frank. And I came back in, and he started laughing out loud. We had a great laugh over that. I'll never forget that. And uh, Mark actually met his wife, because his wife, Amy, was my secretary over at another church, and I had to go to some important ministry thing. I't I was supposed to pick up Mark, and Amy went and picked up Mark when he was blind. they fell in love. It, it is a, just a great love story of how God works even in the midst of painful things. And if you're going through something painful, sometimes you got to keep your sense of humor. And I know Mark always did, but this blindness that this man had was a horrible situation. And I want you to notice this before we move on. It says, he saw a man. Blind from birth. He saw. Who saw? Jesus saw. This man could not see Jesus, but Jesus saw him. Isn't it so good to know in, in the midst of our blindness, confusion, feel like we can't see God sometimes going through our hard situation. It's so good to know, but God always sees us. I heard a story of a house caught on fire and a little boy was up in the window and the dad went outside and called to the little boy and the dad said, you need to jump. Son, you need to jump. And the, and the little boy said to his dad, but daddy, I can't see you. I can't see you. He was blind from all the smoke. And his dad said, that's okay, buddy. I see you jump. And he jumped and his father caught him in his arms. Isn't it good to know that God catches us when we need him to catch us, takes us in his arm? Jesus saw this man in the state he was in. Number two, let's talk about the purpose, the purpose for this blindness. Verse two, says, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. This is, this is such important theology right here that Jesus is teaching. Because the disciples had bad theology. They thought that if you had a specific disease or blindness, it must be some sin you committed in your life. And Jesus said, No, God, I'm God, I'm sovereign over this. This happened so the works of God might be displayed. What are the works of God? They asked Jesus, What are the works of God? And he said, Believe in the one he has sent. Jesus is saying, This happened. So this man would believe in me. Sometimes Christians try to let God off the hook when an unbeliever asks, If there's a God, why is there suffering in this world? And so they try to get God off the hook and they say, Well, God, God doesn't cause suffering, it's the devil. If anybody's suffering, it's the devil. And I think many times we give the devil too much credit because our God is a sovereign God over all things. He's not, he's not, some people think God is sovereign sometimes. <laughs> well, if he's sovereign sometimes, he's not sovereign. He's sovereign all the time, in all situations. I want to show you, um what, uh, this dialogue between Moses and God. Last sermon in John, we talked about uh, God speaking to Moses, and Moses asked God what his name is, and he says, I am who I am. And then Jesus goes on to say, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him, because he was claiming to be God in the Old Testament. And When you continue on in this passage, you get to chapter 4. Listen to what verse 10 says. Because God is telling Moses, I want you to go and speak for me. I want you to go and tell the Egyptians, let my people go. And verse 10 says, but Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. I'm not a speaker, God. Some scholars believe Moses might have had some kind of speech problem or speech impediment. And he's just telling God, I don't know how to speak. And verse 11, the Lord said to him, Watch this, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Yes, yes, all sickness, all handicaps, it's all a result of the fall in the garden. The devil was there, and he deceived Adam and Eve, and ever since they've sinned, that brought sickness and death, yes. But that doesn't mean that every specific disease or sickness that happens in a person's life is because they did a specific sin. God says, I'm sovereign. I have purpose for it all. Wouldn't it be so much better if a little boy is born blind or he's born handicapped and he says to his mother, Mommy, why am I like this way? Why was I born this way? And the mother says, well, the devil did it to you. That would be discouraging, would it? Wouldn't it be so much better to say, listen, buddy, God has a special purpose for you. God allowed you to be handicapped. And God's going to do something special in your life through it. That would be more encouraging. That would build your faith. And we need to know, and if you're battling something, and some kind of disease, some kind of handicapped, It's not that you've done anything wrong. It's possible you've done something right, and God has chosen you to go through this so that he can do his work through you and for others to see the work he can do. Right after that, Jesus says in verse 4, he says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus isn't talking about daytime here. He's not talking about nighttime. This is a little parable. He's saying, he's talking about your life. And he's talking even about his life. He says, I'm not going to be on this earth much longer. I've got to do the work because I came so people can believe and be saved from their sin. And, and, And I don't have long. So we can sit around here and debate all these theological questions. Or guys, we can get on with the work of God. Listen, questions are good. Theology is good. We want to grow in the knowledge of God. But if that's all we do in church is come down here and debate theology, we're we're missing the point. We need to do the works of God. We need to get the gospel to people. That's our main mission. Because life is short. This life is almost over. James says our life is a mist. So we better get to work. Somebody, Somebody... Laughed at me the other day because I was calling somebody a kid that was 35 years old. I'm saying, yeah, that kid over there, he they were like, Frank, you realize the kid's 35. Like, well, listen, everybody 45 and under is a kid to me. Okay? And you say, but, so you're thinking, well, yeah, but what if I'm 45? Well, that means you're dying. That's why I don't call you a kid. You're on your way out. Life is almost over. We got one lifetime and it's short to do the work of God. Jesus says, Let's get on with it and let's do the work of God together. Number three, notice the power. Here comes the miracle. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. That's important. So he went and washed and came back seeing. You ever notice how scripture is just so nonchalant about a miracle? Where is the exclamation point? He came back seeing. A man that was born blind, there is no cure. And he obeyed the Lord and he went. And now he can see. For the first time in his life, he went and washed that mud that Jesus put in his eyes. In that, that, that water and he wiped it on his eyes. For the first time he could see his hands. He had eyesight. Incredible. And he could look around and see what a powerful miracle. And I know you all want me to explain why, why, did he, why did he spit on the ground? Why did he make mud with his saliva? On other occasions, Jesus would just say the word. He would just say, you're healed. He didn't need to make mud. He didn't need the water of Siloam and and really to be honest with you that there's so many interpretations on this some of them are really silly but but you kind of got to think you think back to the garden of eden when remember the context of this jesus is the creator so he created the universe he created the first man what did he create him out out of mud clay And maybe that was symbolic, that he was the creator. And so he rubbed him on his eyes, showing that I'm the creator. And I'm the only one that can create sight for blindness. And here, more important, I'm the only one that can create light for spiritual blindness. You you can't see spiritually until Jesus opens your eyes. I don't know. He, told him, he tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Remember John 7. The priest would go to the water of Siloam. He would bring a picture of water to the temple and he'd pour out the water. And the people would worship and sing hymns. And they would remember how God provided uh, water in the wilderness. And Jesus already said, I, I'm the living water. I'm the one that gave the Israelites That water in the wilderness, and I'm the one that can give you spiritual water and and eternal life. But you got to come to me. He said, I am the light of the world. I'm the only one that can turn the light on for you. And whoever follows me, he said, will have the light of life. And the word, the pool of Siloam, means sent. Jesus is the sent one. This would just show that he was the Messiah. Which just means he's the Savior. We call him Jesus our Savior. The Jews, call, they were looking for the Messiah, the Savior that would come. And the Old Testament talked so much about the spiritual washing the Messiah would give. It talked about how the Messiah would open blind eyes. And Jesus opened many other blind eyes. And it was very clear That he was showing them he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So powerful. So awesome. And number four, and finally, let's see. I want you to see the puzzled. The puzzled. Verse eight says, The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man? Who used to sit and beg. And some says, yeah, that, that it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. In other words, that can't be him, but he sure looks like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. I'm him, guys. I'm the blind beggar. And now I can see. I was blind, but now I see. And they were puzzled. They saw The transformation. Why is this in there? I think it's a spiritual picture. God wants people to look at your life when you become a Christian and you're born again. He wants people to look at you and be a little puzzled. Like, what happened to that person? Is that really them? They're so different now. There's something different about them. They're not the same. Do the people in your life, your neighbors, your friends, your family, do they see the difference in you since you've come to Christ? They should because salvation is transformation. Not that we're perfect, not that we don't make mistakes, but there should be a difference. I told you guys not long ago, actually, just think it fits about a time when one of my school teachers from high school came to church and visited the church when we were on Sable Street. And his name's Rick Bolander. He's a really good guy. He was a baseball coach. Coached all kinds of sports. And you got to understand, when I was in high school, I caused so much problems at Charlotte High that when he filled out a card, I was scared to go see him. Literally. And... Charlotte High, like <laughs> I I quit Charlotte High School. My buddy, my best friend, Pastor Adam Ratcliffe, who started Freedom with me. We were troublemakers in high school. And Adam called me and he said, he said, hey Frank, they're gonna kick you out of school. And I said, really? Well that really hurts. I said, tell them that I quit. <laughs> and if you know Adam, he has this thunderous laughter. He's just like, ha, 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 real loud. And I stayed on the phone. I could hear him going in to the principals. Hey, Frank says he quits. <laughs> just laughing and laughing. So we just we were a little crazy, a little crazy. So I go to the teacher's house and he says to me this. He says, he says, Frank, I gotta be honest with you. When I heard you and Adam Radcliffe were pastors. I thought you guys were up to something. <laughs> like, I guess he thought we were con men, like we were televangelists or something, trying to make money off of Christianity. But he said, I heard you speak. I, I see your family. And he's like, I can tell you're a changed man. And that was one of the greatest compliments I ever got. But, but it's not, it wasn't me, it was Jesus in me. I couldn't transform myself. I couldn't change. I was lost. I was blind. Jesus had to open my eyes and open my ears and save me and transform me. I hope people see that in you. Verse 10 says And so they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and received my sight. He he becomes a witness. He becomes a testimony for the glory of God and and what Jesus Christ can do. (laughs) And I love this. Verse 12, they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. He's like, I don't know if you guys realize, I don't know if you boneheads realize, I've been blind. I don't know where anybody is. I don't know where anything is. I just started to see. I got to figure this all out. He didn't even see Jesus yet. But he does meet him. So I got to show you that part. This is a long chapter, and we're going to break it down. It's so important. So much good theology in here. But I got to show you. The good ending to this story, down in John nine, thirty-five, the religious leaders hated Jesus. They come after this blind man. You're going to like this blind man because he says some funny stuff to the religious leaders and makes them look dumb. They're questioning how can he see. They're upset at him that he's telling everybody that he was blind and now he can see and Jesus did it. They ex-commute him, excommunicate him from the synagogue. We're done with you. It says they cast him out and get out of our presence. And amazing. They should have believed, but their hearts were hard. And as Jesus told them, they were blind. And unless they would let Jesus open their eyes, they would remain blind. Blind forever. And so... This, listen to what this says here. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he hears that these religious guys cast him out of God's house. How, you know, but Jesus went to find the man, to reassure the man. Yeah, these religious people, <laughs> they, they're not going to help you, but I'm here to help you. Because I'm the Savior of the world. And he says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the Son of Man, that's a messianic title from Daniel 7. Jesus often called himself the Son of Man, because they all knew when the Messiah came he would be called the Son of Man, which was God in a human body. And he asked this blind man, Do you believe? And he answered, And who is and who is he, sir? That I may believe in him. Because he doesn't know. He, he hasn't seen Jesus. And I love this. Jesus said to him. You have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. I'm the one that made you see. I, I'm the one that gave you sight. In verse 38. He said. Lord. I believe. And he Worshipped him. Not only did he get physical sight cured, he got his spiritual sight cured, which is more important, more important. We had a blind lady in our church, Marie. She was a beautiful lady inside and out. The way she dealt with her blindness. She was a strong believer in Jesus. She's now in heaven, and Marie Can see again god did a work in her life through her blindness so god works through all these things to bring people to himself and that's why i call this beautiful blindness because it was this blindness that that brought this man to jesus that gave him salvation do you see do you hear Jesus wants you to see. Call out to him today. Call out to him, and he will save you. There was another blind guy named Bartimaeus. He cried out to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me, son of David. I know you're the Messiah. Have mercy on me. Jesus cured his blindness, and he became a believer. So today, if you're here and you feel blind, you feel lost, you feel confused, I know the one who can open your eyes, and you will see, and you will see God. God will become so real to you, and he will help you get through this hard life. And one day, we're going to see this blind man in heaven. He's our brother, and we're all going to be there together, and we are going to see glorious sights. And every blind Christian will see again every crippled Christian will walk again in God's kingdom on a new heaven and a new earth. I look forward to that day. Pray with me this morning. Please pray with me as we close. We're just going to sing a worship song and and we're going to let you go back to the rain. Okay? What we like closing the service, worshiping Jesus, praising his name. That's why we're here. We're here to worship Jesus. Our church is totally centered on Jesus. And we want you to worship him. So in this moment, I know, and it's kind of like a little revival going on. I'm, I'm just loving it. God is touching people, people that don't have any church background. They've never even heard the gospel-like, and they come to church. I had a guy on Christmas Eve. I've never heard anything like that before. Well, God opened his ears, and he heard the gospel. And 11 people baptized last week. A couple of them, like, never heard this before. God's touching them. I don't know if you're sitting out there today. Maybe God wants to touch you. Maybe Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. And you feel lost. You feel blind. And Jesus is saying, call out to me. I'll give you sight. I'll give you spiritual light. I'll open your ears. You'll understand God like never before. And you'll be with God forever. Christians, may we rededicate our life. Hey, the day is almost over. The night's coming. We have very little time to do the work of the gospel. May we get busy. And do it together. Father, thank you for these dear people, Lord who have come here today to worship you, to sing songs, to listen to your word, your precious word. God, when we hear your word, it just... it's beautiful, God. It's beautiful. You are the Word Jesus. You're the revelation of God. We wouldn't know God without you, Lord. I pray, God, that you'd help us Christians to get busy and do your work, to glorify you. Lord, again, I pray it's been beautiful seeing you touch souls, touch lives. If if you brought someone here today, touch them. I pray they leave transformed. And, Lord, we give you the glory for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand and sing to him.